Full 10 Yards Podcast. Yes, welcome in everyone to the Full 10 Yards Podcast, where every yard counts. This is the second part of the Baffer of Britball Officiating A to Z podcast. Hope you enjoyed the first half there. But I thought we'd squeeze it into two podcasts because there's, there's so much good stuff to talk about. Roger is still with us and we need to get through from H to Z. So we'll start with H, Roger. Um, I've gone for a homework for H. Um, do officials look at um, you know team teams prior to, to the games that they've been assigned and look, you know, look at you know, previous reports or you know, videos and, and stuff just to see kind of so they know what they're getting. I know, I know after a little while team, you know, officials would get used to teams, but obviously they change head coaches and personnel from, from year to year. Do they do kind of week-to-week homework as well on, the, on their teams? Yeah, there are a variety of things that um, the referees will do during the week. We have um, groups, uh, we have one particular one called Instant Replay, which is all to do with posing uh, video clips with rules and making sure that as much as possible we're officiating the game in the same way. We get consistency yeah. of interpretation. Nothing worse for coaches than one week something's called this way and it's called a holding. Next week it's not called holding and they think, well, hang on, what happened here? Um, so we, we want to get as much consistency of officiating as possible. Mm-hmm. And groups like Instant Replay allow us to discuss the rules at nth degree and to, to come up with a, a uniform way of in, interpreting. Mm-hmm. Um then on top of that, um, we look at game film. So to answer your question, yes, we look at game film if it's available. We have um, uh, often Huddle, which is one of the well-known um, ones that teams use. We have it and we actually uh, have clips on there that we look at. Some of those clips are used as part of our pre-game meetings. So when we, we get to the stadium or the field, um, we're usually there about an hour and a half to two hours before the game. And some of the things that we're doing before the game is getting ourselves warmed up. Yep. Um, so we're going through clips. We're looking at particular scenarios that might come up and saying right how do we officiate these what what do we need to make sure that we're looking out for yeah and does, it, does that go to the to the length of beha- team behavior as well no not really no. Um, i know the nfl do and i've sat in on nfl pre-games for the officials and i know that they will look at the previous week's films for that particular team and they yeah. will actually break down um tendencies that they might be doing that we need to keep on top of yeah um, we don't generally we don't have enough game film and um, and enough good quality game film so some teams might film it but they're filming on an iphone or whatever so uh, it's not particularly great quality to be able to really uh, define what's happening uh, clearly yeah. where other teams are great and they have you know good full live streaming like uh, farnham and the olympians game we talked about last time yeah so things like that and that's really good film because that really allows you to see clearly what's going on uh, in detail yep that's fair enough Okay, let's move on to I then. So I, I've gone for injuries. So it's kind of a two-part here. I know you mentioned in the previous podcast that um, the officials aren't first aid trained and that the teams have to provide, obviously, the uh, the, the first aid cover, if you like, which is St. John's Ambulance have to be present, and et cetera, et cetera. Does that actually surprise you that you, you don't have any first aid training for the officials? Or is that something that maybe they No, I, I think it's a good thing. It, yeah. it's, it's not our skill set. Um, no, I think it. we're the wrong people to be getting involved. Sure. We've got our own things to concentrate on right. and to get a specialist who's good at that yeah. in the same way. In, a, in an ideal world you wouldn't have coaches officiating because they haven't got the same level of training in the sure. same way we don't want to be doing first aid because sure. we're not trained in the same way so no I, I'm all for somebody else doing that one no that's fair enough and then, uh, has any any official ever been kind of injured and what kind of happens when an yeah, official is injured interesting enough we had a, a few bad ones uh, we had one uh, bowl game a couple of years ago where the umpire who's 
in the middle of the field. Had a broken leg caused Oof. by a collision with the player. He played throughout the rest of the game before actually getting it fixed. Legend. So, yeah, it happens. We had broken collarbones. You know, somebody comes careering over the sideline and the official didn't get out of the way quick enough. Yeah. Um, but we we have mechanics, which is where we need to be and what we need to be looking at, mm-hmm. that particularly try and get us out of those hot spot zones. Yeah. But inevitably, you've got players flying around. Yeah. Sometimes they're not under their own control. They've just been blocked by somebody else. They can't stop themselves and where they go. So we need to make sure as much as possible we get out of their way rather than the other way around. Mm-hmm. And what happens, say, if, in, if an official can't continue officiating? Do they get a coach to, to stand in or does he just try, keep trying to no, on? No, we, we have um, fallback mechanics. Um, so, you know, we, we might go out with a five-man crew, but we know how to work a four-man crew right, okay. and how to pick up the slack. The important thing is that nothing's missed. Yeah. Inevitably, something and it's not covered as well because you know five pairs of eyes and four pairs of eyes it's yeah. not going to work as well yeah. but we need to make sure that that area that that other person would be covering is shared around the others sure so that we cover as much as possible and we don't have the same eyes looking at the same thing because if all four eyes are now watching one area something goes on off the ball mm-hmm. nobody spots it no so we need to make sure that we're disciplined to make sure we know what happens in those circumstances yeah in the big bowl games, we actually have alternates. Um, they're standing by just in case somebody goes down. But under general rules, um, we're quite ready to uh, work a smaller number of crews. In the same way the NFL and college do, they 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 know and practice those mechanics. And you'll see in preseason games, the NFL will particularly pull somebody out, make them work in those shortened um, numbers, yeah. or make somebody work in a different position so that they're actually um, knowing what to do if it did happen in a proper game. Yeah. That's fair enough. Okay, I enjoyed that one. Uh, let's move on to Jay. I've gone for Jeopardy. So uh, this one, is, we, we mentioned it in the other podcast as well about saying, you know, if you've got loads of um, fixtures in a, uh, in one place and, you, you know, you quickly run out of referees. Uh, and you also mentioned, obviously, the, the, the fast-growing um, nature of the game. Do, is, is there a Jeopardy that uh, lack of referees could impact on, you know, any any um, you know, contact, uh, youth, flag and all the rest of it? Do, is there a, a Jeopardy there that... We could be missing out a little bit on you know, some leagues might not get well, any officials. Or... You know, I think in an ideal world, we'd have every game at every level covered with officials. But like in other countries, there is officiating shortage and we need more officials to cover the fast growing sport. Yeah. Um, so, yes, there is a chance that we won't cover games. And obviously that game may not work in the same way as it should do uh, as a result. Mm. But, you know, that's a situation we want to avoid by having more officials. Is there any is there any uh, jeopardy to you know worst case scenario saying you know games having to be or, or maybe leagues having to be sh- no, not shut down but postponed and, and all that kind of that or is it is, is the kind of the safety net the the self officiating side of things? Well, that's the safety net, and we'd ideally not want it to be there, but yeah. it is there just in case. Right. I mean, in an ideal world, and this goes back to one of the early things, the associate process, we want to make sure teams are suitably prepared when they come into the league. Yeah. And we have situations where the teams that are associates are actually meeting a higher standard than some of the teams that are already in the league. Yeah. Um, because the, the standard for entry is now higher than it used to be. Yeah. So that's only a good thing in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's move on. A couple of quick ones here. K, I've gone for kit. So player kit requirements, uh, obviously part of the 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 game day experience, obviously, is a, is a kit check. So just maybe want to gloss over for, for guys out there that maybe don't play or are interested in playing, what you know what the minimum standards are for, for kit checks. 
Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, there are some. We need to make sure that the rules are followed. So, again, yeah. we don't specify the rules, but no. we have to enforce them. Yeah. So there are rules in play that say what players are allowed to do, not allowed to do. So, for example, if they've got um, knee pads, the knee pads must be worn and these knee, knee pads must be over the knees. Uh, if you've got <laughs> a back pad, it can't be exposed. You need to get the jersey down over it. So it's a safety issue. We need to make sure. Yeah. Uh, mouthpieces you know everybody needs to wear a mouthpiece it's a safety requirement shin straps need to be done up because those helmets are protecting people if you don't have them done up properly they're not going to give you as much protection so it's like having a seatbelt and not wearing it you know it, it doesn't make any sense so yeah. we're there as the enforcers to make sure that the rules are followed yeah did I read uh, somewhere as well that the mouthpieces have to be can't be a certain color they can't be clear or they can't be white or something yeah, I mean, that's again back to safety. If you've got a, a guy who's the trained medic coming on board and he needs to know whether the guy's choking on his mouthpiece, he needs to better see it. Yeah. So if it fits in looking like it should be there or shouldn't be there, it's a lot easier to spot where it is. Yeah. So that's a safety requirement. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, El, I've gone for lines, and we mentioned this obviously in the uh, due diligence part of the in, in D uh, on the last podcast. Obviously, you get a lot of 80 yard, 80 yard pitches. Uh, or eighty-yard lines and plus end zones as well. Are you surprised that we 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 have facilities that still do that, or is it just a case of at some point you know it'll all be rectified and we won't have kind of a a ten-yard from forty to forty? Yeah, some of those are being improved all the time. Regulations have changed, so that there is now a. Uh, higher requirement than they used to be and teams can't play on fields that don't meet those minimum requirements and over time we'll get those uh, teams up to higher level and a better experience overall for all of us hmm. yeah absolutely okay uh, let's move on to m then so m i've gone for management uh, just maybe we want to give us a quick gloss over about you know uh, the bathra setup and and kind of who how many of the of you there are and how you all kind of work together yeah, okay. So management is what you mentioned. So I'm um, just uh, give you my position. I'm director of operations for BAFRA. So I'm the guy that uh, is primarily responsible for assigning crews to games uh, and also for picking the bowl crews and for picking the people from BAFRA that go to represent uh, our organisation at the NFL games in London. Um, they work on the chain crews there. They also work other ancillary positions. So when you see the guys uh, go to the replay and they go to the guy on the 25-yard line holding a screen, that's a BAFRA person. So if you want to get close to the players at the NFL, and I would suggest joining BAFRA, becoming a referee, then you get those sort of opportunities. Hmm. Okay, lovely stuff. Um, okay, N, uh, no show again. We spoke about this with the, well, not, it wasn't really a no show, but um, has there ever been instances where teams haven't shown up for a game and the referee, <laughs> referees are kind of waiting? Or uh, Not that I'm aware of. It's league mandated, though, what happens. <clears throat> it's, it's not a refereeing issue. The referees have got certain guidelines how long to, to wait before. I mean, for example, we get medical cover. Yeah. Uh, if it doesn't come within a certain time, then the game is called. It's reported to the league. The league will take the necessary sanctions. Right. So, again, it's not us. We just follow the rules. Yeah, yeah. So, you, you won't be the one you say you just wait the, the requisite amount of time if say if a team yeah. doesn't turn up so like even if they're stuck on the m6 or something and broken down yeah, and... i mean we'll, we'll give leeway obviously if there's if there's issues like that where yeah. a team's coach breaks down which has happened you know the team are going to arrive late we'll work with the home team to find out what their restrictions are when they need to be at the stadium yeah. if necessary we'll work with the the two coaches to say right okay these are the way that we can change the game um, timings to actually make the game fit within it so we can actually instead of having 15 minute quarters with agreement we go for 12 minute quarters uh, etc so there's things we can do to assist but right. we obviously need to make sure the game 
leagues, there's a, a minimum time limit before a game can kick off before sunset. Um, obviously, you don't want to be playing in the dark because no. then you've got safety <laughs> issues. Yeah. So uh, most of our grounds don't have lights, especially mm. in universities. So, uh, yeah, those sort of things. Yeah. Any, any instances where officials have broken down on the M6? Oh, yeah, it happens. I mean, you know, inevitably, there's, there's, there's people get stuck in traffic. There's a breakdown or there's a, an accident. We had one only recently where uh, uh, one of the officials on the way to one of the youth tournaments in Chester and he couldn't get there from Manchester because of the M6 being closed. As it was, we uh, somebody else was going the uh, similar uh, sort of route to a game in Liverpool couldn't get there because of the, the problem. So we just swapped the officials around and one went one, one went the other. So mm-hmm. it happens. Yep. Sometimes I dread the phone going at uh, <laughs> yeah, 11, 12 o'clock on a Sunday, I must admit. Yeah, absolutely. Love me a bit of the M6. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. <laughs> uh, Organisation. So um, officials obviously need a, a few things to help eight with their with their officiating. Do you maybe want to go through uh, their, maybe their toolkit? You know, what do officials need to, to officiate a game? Obviously a whistle. Yeah, and there's some minimum requirements that they, they have to take out on the field with them. The whistle is a primary one. So uh, you've got obviously uniform. So you've got shirt pants as, or trousers as the Brits would say you need a flag uh, you need some marking uh, bean bags which we throw on uh, certain times and mark things so we'll throw when a fumble because potentially a penalty could be assessed from the spot of the fumble yeah. not from where it ends up yeah um, so we, we're throwing bean bags to mark spots uh, the end of a kick for example will be bean bagged and things so those those go with a down marker so we need to make sure that we don't give it one team five and another team three downs and things like this so we've got make sure that we uh, have a way of recording it want to write the scores down want to write the penalties down so we need something to write on something to write with we need uh, a coin for the coin toss so we need watches to time various things the game times as well as the uh, the the um, time between downs so the play clock with uh, 25 seconds or 40 seconds depending on the situation mm-hmm. yeah would they would uh, i assume a, an official wouldn't be reimbursed for a watch especially if they roll up in a rolex <laughs> <laughs> to be honest a Rolex is not much used to an official no absolutely not no. Um, there's a very good Casio watch that most officials actually use it's called a ref timer okay. and it can do various different timing of game length starting stopping um, timing the play clock with oh, nice. different time uh, allowances with uh, um, visual or audio clues so it can vibrate on your wrist and you know that the the, the clock has expired for example nice. on the on the game so nice Classic 90s, 90s Casios, love them. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's digital ones are much better for those. Absolutely. Uh, okay, let's move on to P then. So I've got players. We kind of um, covered what kind of get, causes a player to get ejected. So um, a bit of a, a random question. How many how many players must be on one sideline to constitute a team? Uh, not There isn't a particular one in most formats. Um, right. uh, caveat that because it does change depending it's a league mandate um, that's set but most of the time it isn't set from a refereeing point of view the the minimum for us is formations so certain people need to be on the field in certain positions using different shirt numbers as long as those are met then that's enough for us. Okay, so cool. we don't need to know how many are on the sideline, it's how many are on the field that's yeah. the important part. Okay. And some very good teams can run with very small numbers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you get dedicated players going both ways. Yeah, so if you can get 11 players that can go iron, four iron man and go both sides of the ball, then yeah, Bob Shunkle, cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> okay, uh, Q is uh, for quality. How does um, Baffer ensure and maintain the quality of the referees? Obviously, it's going to come down to um, like some training and video stuff. Yeah, we have an annual compulsory exam. Uh, we also have 
what's called mechanics evaluation. So the mechanics are where you need to be on the field at a particular time and what you're watching. So all officials are assessed um, usually three or four times a year if we can do it, sometimes twice a year, depending on how um, many officials are available to do the assessments. And we're evaluating their movement um, because if you're in the right place, for example, in, in uh, goal line play, if you can't be on the goal line, how are you going to know whether the ball has breached that goal line? Mm. So there needs to be a time where you need to get to that goal line before any other yep. thing you need to do. So that's part of the criteria. You know, once you go seven yards and in, the wing official's primary responsibility will be get to the goal line because yep. uh, you can then officiate whether or not something has scored or not. Yep. And then if the play doesn't get there, you can work back to the play. Um, and others, it's the deep um, back judge. They'll be going to the end line because you know passes thrown into the end zone, but it's not. It's gone past the goal line. Somebody needs to know whether he steps out of bounds on the end line. So somebody else has got to be watching that. So it's knowing where you need to be. All those things are assessed, and those annual exams and mechanics evaluations. Plus, we have peer review for pressure and judgment. Yep. All those things, plus coaches' cards, coaches fill in an evaluation card. We do our own evaluations. So we actually say what we think, and our uh, our own evaluations are actually usually harsher than the coaches. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you, you, know, you want to improve, and in order to improve, you need to self um, decide whether or not there are areas to improve on. Yep. And uh, you usually find that we are harsher than the coaches are because we know what we should have done yeah. and when we should have done it, yeah. even if they didn't spot it. Yeah. Absolutely, and it kind of com- comes on to R then. R is for a rule book. So uh, obviously, re- the officials need to know kind of the rule book inside out. But how many how many rules are there roughly in the rule book for? Uh... All lots. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever counted them all because you've got you know you, you've got primary sections. So yeah. you know yeah. what happens when you start and stop the clock. How do you score? They're, they're in the primary sections. What happens when you you know have a personal foul there? You've got sections penalty enforcement as a section on its own. Um, definitions is probably the if there's one section I would say study as a referee or as a, an official, it's definitions because yeah. the definitions make the difference on whether the rule works one way or another. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, as an example, small example, but just to give you an example, what is a kick? Well, <laughs> it's obvious. Well, no, it's not. It's an intentional um, contact of the ball. So the ball touching a leg is not a kick. <laughs> A leg has to be an active participant in this kicking process. Yep. So, you know, if it's just a case of a ball is loose and it touches a leg, that's very different from an actual illegal kicking yeah. uh, of a ball. So there's things like that. And so understanding your definitions, you can then apply that rule effectively by knowing exactly what the intention was for the rule to be called. Mm-hmm. And does it, the rule book uh, obviously mimic, kind of mimics the, the college game, doesn't it? Is there any, any particular reason for yeah. that? Yeah, closely. Um, it's We actually use something called IFAF rulebook, which is the International Federation of American Football, but we actually base the rule set on the NCAA, which is the college rules. Yeah. Um, any reason? Um, uh, yes, uh, <laughs> too many reasons to go into, but yeah. generally speaking, the NFL is a rule set designed for professional players. Yeah. College and our league is designed for people who are playing at that level of standard, sure. slightly different safety yeah. rules. Yeah. So, for example, in the NFL, you'll see players go to the ground and get back up again. Yeah. In ours, if you go to the ground with the ball, that, that's dead. You're, yeah. It's over. The play is dead at that point. There's yeah. no getting up. Nobody's going to jump on top of him, which you see on the, the NFL, <laughs> because he isn't down yeah. yet. Yeah. Um, and that just causes injuries. So there's things, subtle differences like that. Uh, but mostly speaking, it's the NCAA rule book with a very few minor variations. Mm. You, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Do you have a favourite rule? 
Don't say what's a, what is a catch. Targeting. Targeting, okay. Targeting is my current favourite rule, that it changes at different times. Targeting is very important and, and one that a lot of people don't like, but I've got to look at the, the game from a safety point of view. Yeah. If we want to continue to play football, and what we know is football, not soccer, then we need to make sure that people stay um, safe. And concussion is an issue that has been addressed by the various different sporting organisations at different levels within um, American football. And the rules are actually being written and changed to make it safer to play. You can still hit hard, but you've got to make sure you hit the right places hard. So you're not aiming at the head, um, etc. So, Mm -hmm. and, you know, when players' attention is uh, uh, not on what's happening, um, then then, um, they're very vulnerable so yeah. you know they're defenseless and as a result of being defenseless they get extra protection yeah so a receiver once they're catching the ball you know their concentration on the ball they're not looking to brace themselves for the hit that's coming yeah quarterback when they're throwing the ball they're they're defenseless yeah. um, so there are a number of defenseless things and targeting is an important thing to make sure that we we clamp down on uh, and we're actually taking the head out of the game yeah. um, deliberate head contact out of the game yeah that's actually the quite- incident contact yeah, and that's quite nice actually segue into S, which is special teams, and uh, especially in the NFL, uh, synonymous special teams fouls are blocking the back. Um, and that's, <laughs> yeah. that, that's kind of yeah. Is that is that? <laughs> I'm not gonna say. It's, does does that happen in uh, in over here as well? Is there, is there any special teams kind of rules that get broken all the time? Is it common as it is in the NFL? Well, I, I, I think the thing to say about special teams, if something weird will happen, it's usually on special teams. Yeah, yeah. So from a refereeing point of view, it's probably the hardest situation to actually control for a number of reasons. One is because very weird things always happen on special (laughs) teams, but two, because the play is all over. So unlike normal scrimmage play, where it's fairly condensed around the line of scrimmage and what's happening, a kick goes from being suddenly at one end of the field to the action at the other end of the field. And you're then spreading your officials. So we we like, we box the play in. So basically what you'll see uh, when we're officiating is the, the, the officials we around the players. Obviously, if you stretch that field, we're further apart and we've got more ground to cover. And therefore, it's harder to officiate because you're watching multiple things going on in all different directions over a greater distance. That's why it's hard. Um, to go back to what you just said about is there a common play, block in the back is one of those that is common. And the reason for it is the kick has gone over the head of the defenders or the, who are now become the receivers of the thing. And uh, somebody just run past them and they want to block that person. They turn around and chase them, um, trying to be of use. But of course, if you're chasing from the back, inevitably when you make contact, the likelihood is you're going to make contact from the back, which mm-hmm. is an illegal foul yeah. um, or can be an illegal foul. Because not all blocks in the back are illegal, which mm-hmm. is, uh, again, a perception people think, he yeah. blocked me in the back. Yeah, yeah. sometimes that's legal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. It's, uh, certainly one of the most frustrating ones in the NFL when you're watching. Um, but yeah. Well, the thing is, it, it, it's actually, from a coaching point of view, really frustrating because... It's really unnecessary. Yeah, A block at the back very rarely would have made the difference to yeah. gain a player some yardage yeah. um, because they're not blocking properly. And most likely it will cause you to lose yardage compared to if you let him alone yeah, and, yeah. and just let the player dodge that, that uh, oncoming defender. Um, defender. So it, it's one of those really frustrating ones from a coaching perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Um, T, is, we've kind of covered training a little bit, but um, you, you said obviously you get a bit of one-to-one um, training. How long does that usually last? Um, it depends on the person that's being trained. Right. Um, if you've got a, a football background, it's a lot quicker than if you've got no football background sure, because sure. you pick up the concepts and and you understand the principles of what you're trying to look for. Yeah. Um, 
but it's tailored to the individual because there's no point in having training that is completely over the head of one person because they'll never understand why they're doing something Mm -hmm. so that's why we like to do one-to-one training which is one of the reasons the other reason is geographical limitations if you have one official who's signed up to um do some training who's based at you know let's say on the south coast in in hastings um, there might not be a load of other people who you can all get together and do a, a classroom type training. Yeah. Although we are looking at uh, doing computer based training so that we can actually bring people together. Yeah. But, you know, in the past, we might have had one inquiry a week for somebody interesting officiating. So if you're getting one a week, it, it would take a long time before you gathered enough people together to make one Sure. course going on at one time yeah so rather than hold up the players or the officials for getting on the field we'll give them the training when they actually apply not mm-hmm. waiting till the course is run every six months or whatever sure and what's the, what's the typical cost for for you know say for, for the year obviously because you have the on-field stuff as well uh, but the courses themselves is there a, a you know standard cost um, for, for, for starting out, there yeah. is a, a fee that we charge. It's a very small fee just to get the training materials yeah. to them. Um, but that's then um, uh, discounted from their first annual, first year's annual men, uh, membership as well. So uh, it's it, it's very little and it, it, it really doesn't come into the, the thinking when it comes to, am I going to officiate? Sure. Is that cost too yeah, much yeah. for training? Training is not an expensive thing for them. No, that's fine. Uh, well, say so it, it could be a it could have been a potential hurdle, I suppose. But it's obvious, yeah, if you're if you're trying to encourage people to, to do it, it's not going to it's not don't want it to be hired. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that, that kind of trickles down into into you, which I've got for uniforms. Um, you, you mentioned obviously all the things that you need, uh, an official needs to be able to officiate a game. But how much is provided or subsidised, or how much is expected from the official to to be provided themselves? Yeah, all their kit is provided by themselves, um, but. The kit isn't hugely expensive. It's a bit similar to uh, a player kitting out to play in a team. Um, I mean, a couple of hundred quid will uh, get you all you need to to get on the field. But, you know, like with players, you can always buy better, uh, warmer, go faster stripes, etc. Then, uh, you know, you can buy the top of the line shoes and, you know, they're going to cost you a few hundred pounds. Yeah. But you, know, you don't have to play in those shoes. You can play in a... a, a pair of AstroTurf boots and things that you can pick up from Sports Direct or other brands are available um, <laughs> for a, you know, 20 quid or whatever. Or you might have some because you've played before or whatever. So you know, the, the, the own, the, it's not onerous to get the kit. Yeah. Okay. But officiating, you'll get that money back anyway in fees that you paid for the games. Sure. Uh, and I suppose someone out there has got a, a fancy dress um, NFL referee <laughs> outfit somewhere. So, yeah, worst comes to worst, they could, they could get that out of the cupboard and dust yeah, off. Yeah, there have been situations where I've seen you know, officials haven't been able to get their kit in time from because we don't have local supplies, particularly for it's ordered from the States or ordered from Europe. Right. And uh, we have had officials just buy, you know, prime up black trousers and get the wife to sew a stripe down one sleeve or they, they do it themselves if they're yeah, yeah. more competent in the sewing. Yeah, um, yeah so it does happen. Jump. And the, the original... Um, Baffer referees when the the organization first started because that was the only uh, uniform they could get to get some black and white stripes yeah Yeah. brilliant brilliant jumpers for goalposts all over again Um, yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay V uh, I've gone for verification um, and this is more about the uh, the card check and the any ringers but I think you wanted to to uh, sabotage that yeah, one and go I'm for video. Play my trump card here, yeah. Because verification is not responsibility of the referees, right? So that's that, that's why it's going to be a quick and easy one. So you're gonna, you're it's gonna... actually a league requirement. If, if you know the team complains, our obligation is to report that to the league. Right. The league make decisions on it. So it, it's nothing to do with us. Mm. Teams can uh, card check, and we're not involved in the process. Right. So you're going to throw um, you're going to throw your challenge the, your challenge the flag down. 
yeah, I'm going to challenge Carl here. I'm going to throw <laughs> my red flag on this one. Yeah. And I'm going to say video. So we talked about rule differences earlier between other um, types of American football. Um, we actually have a video rule. Um, not that it's used very often because obviously we don't have enough games that actually have suitable um, video equipment and playback. But our video referees can actually put a flag on a play on anything. Right. So if they see something on the replay that wasn't called on the field or they're reviewing one particular play because somebody said, did he step out of bounds? And they see something else, they can put a flag on it. Oh, okay. So yeah. that's one of those interesting ones with ours. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, we're towards the, the business end now of the alphabet. Yeah. So W, uh, wages. Um, I know you said, that obviously, you get, um, well, you kind of covered it, didn't you? So you forty five pounds for a yeah. game and, uh, and the, obviously you get subsidised um, expenses and all that kind of stuff. What's, um, is there any, has anyone ever tried to you know, claim back too much or claim over the odds and maybe stay at no, the, no, the Hilton? Our, our, our motto is integrity. Yeah. Um, you know, the integrity to goes on the field. So you, you fully expect the integrity when you come to expenses claims as well. And I think if you're going to be an official, that's probably going to be, uh, be read anyway. So yeah. uh, I don't think I've ever heard of uh, somebody uh, taking the, the Michael no, no one, no one's standing at the Ritz when they're covering the uh, the Warriors. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, let's move on to X then. So I kind of cheated a little bit. I've gone for X's and O's, uh, which is mainly yeah. around formations. I and think when you come into these letters, I think it's reasonable to, to cheat. Absolutely, yeah. Um, obviously, there are rules. There are formation rules. Uh, I don't, I don't know if you just want to have a look, uh, go through kind of what you look for when people. When, um, yeah, I mean, it's more I, I work. Um, what's called short wing, uh, which are the wing officials are the headline who looks after the chain crew as well, and the line judge on the far side who looks after the clock yep. and the other side line, generally speaking. Um, so, you know, when you get to the, the line of scrimmage, you're going through a number of things. You're counting players. You want to make sure they're not playing with 12 people because that's <laughs> yeah. an unfair advantage. Yeah. You're checking lineman numbers. You're making sure that they're actually five linemen on the line with yeah. suitable numbers. You're checking how many people in the backfield, who's eligible to receive a pass. Are the motion guys going in motion legally? Are they all set before the snap? And then you're looking for whether the you know, fouls are a live ball foul or a shutdown foul. Yep. So an example of those would be a false start on the offense is a shutdown foul, which means the play never happened. We shut it down straight away. We assess the penalty, take them about five yards, and we start again. Other fouls uh, might be uh, a live ball foul. So if uh, a guy goes in motion incorrectly or there's too many people in the backfield, that's a live ball foul. The flag goes down on it, but it doesn't stop the play. Yeah. At the end of the play, depending on what happened, the defence can decide to take that penalty or they can decide to actually let the play play out. If they, for example, tackle the guy in the backfield, they might want to say, well, rather than have first and 15, I want second and um, 15 because I tackled him in the backfield. Yeah. So you know, that's their choice then. Yeah. Um, what, just one bit on the, on the you said there about the linemen. Sometimes, obviously, you hear um, linemen being re- reported in as uh, eligible as a pass catcher. Does that change anything at all? Is that just a case of saying that that person can it, catch it? It changes all? very much because yeah. if you hear a, a lineman being eligible, you're in the NFL. Yeah. It doesn't happen in other positions. The NCAA hasn't doesn't right. have an eligible lineman. Right. If you there are certain people who can catch the ball. Um, they have to be either certain numbers or in certain positions on the end of a line or in the backfield in order to catch a pass. Right. Um, so if somebody reports eligible, they've been watching too much NFL. <laughs> Very good. Okay, cool. Um, I don't know, just just kind of sprung to my mind. But uh, yeah, so we've got to why yeah, now. Um... It's one of those things, you you know, if you reach to watching the NFL, you, you yeah. assume that that's uh, something that's the, can be done here. That's and, the standard, uh, yeah. No, you can't. <laughs> yeah. No, fair enough. Uh, that's, uh, good. that's good about that. Um, okay, we've got to why. So youth, um, in, with regards to, you say, obviously youth, games uh, get referees as well is there any kind of uh, rule changes that are quite significant from the from adult contact to youth 
Mostly no. no. Um, there are different types of youth junior um, games with different number of people on the field at one time. So we have five on five, nine on nine, or a full 11 on 11. So those things. And obviously you need to change some of the rules, like we just mentioned five linemen numbered 50 through 79. Well, if you're only playing a five aside and those people want to go downfield, they can't go downfield to catch a pass. <laughs> so you need to change some of the rules about how many people are linemen and what they can do. So it's things like that that change formations more than they, uh, the main safety rules that change. Okay. There are some. I'm not saying there aren't any, but it is predominantly the same. So if you learn to play at a young level, you're learning the same rule set, mm. mostly. Cool. Uh, okay, we're going to round it off with a bit of a novel one. So Z uh, or Z, depending on where you are in the country. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah obviously, the, the, the officials are known as zebras. Um, so just yeah. to kind of... Uh, yeah, who come up with... Do you know who come up with the zebras? And do you, uh, do you no enjoy idea, being... no, I don't know even how long that one's been going. I don't, I don't mind the term, though. You know, um, a herd of zebras, we, we do have a habit of planning together because we need to work together. So uh, we might be hiding from the lions sometimes uh, by protecting our, our backs with one another. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, just Roger, before we before we get you out here, do you maybe want to tell any listeners out there that maybe um, have got a bit of an interest from from refereeing from from the podcast where where they can go to maybe start their their refereeing yeah. career journey? So it's the British referees, um, huh, <laughs> British American <laughs> Football Referees Association. Get the acronym correctly. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Bafra, B A F R A dot info so if you go to that website then um the, on there one of the links at the top is uh, how to join and uh, then just fill in your details and, uh, and then somebody will contact you and uh, we've got a very good recruitment team at the moment so a guy has taken over recently as director of recruitment he comes from a recruitment background as his day job so he's been doing great strides to uh, get more and more people into the game. So that's good. Love stuff. And they can, if they wanted to talk to you directly, Roger, it's at Roger Goodgraves on Twitter. And obviously you're a, um, a key a key spokesman in the NFL UK fans page. Yeah, I'm one of the moderators. Yeah, yeah. so. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope you, everyone out there, all your listeners enjoyed that A to Z there. Really enjoyed uh, kind of picking apart the, uh, the, the the officiating side of things. It's not something that really gets covered or kind of kind of thanked as well. I know obviously all the work by the officials is appreciated by all the teams, but maybe uh, to the to the more uh, leisurely fan, I suppose, it's maybe not as something that they think about too much. So hopefully we hopefully someone learned something out there today. I know I certainly did. So, uh, Roger, really appreciate you uh, you coming on and, and breaking all that down for us. You've got any, yeah, um, any, any interesting things on, in the pipeline in, the, in your more important jobs? Uh, well, I, I, one of my jobs as a director of operations is picking um, people who go on the chain crews at the NFL. So I've been doing that over the weekend. We had the um, coaches convention this weekend, so there were no games this weekend. No. So it gave us a chance to have some of our internal meetings. So we got to choose the uh, crews that are going on the bowl games. And we got to uh, choose the people that are going to the NFL games for the chain crew there. And um, I had the pleasure of publishing those to the various people today. So that's that's always a nice one when you can tell somebody they've uh, earned a top award. Mm. Yeah, very much so, very much so. And are you looking forward to the to the start of the NFL season? Obviously, you have you have ties with yeah, uh, it's too long since the last, isn't it? I mean, that's why I do. I think that's why I love football officiating because it's an all year round thing. I, yeah. I don't have time when I don't have football. <laughs> um, the, the, when it just we used to watch the NFL, it was just, it seemed to go on forever before the game was actually started again. Mm. There you go. Okay. Well, no doubt we'll uh, we'll get you on again soon to to break down some NFL uh, some NFL officiating. I won't say errors. I'll, I'll be optimistic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Misconceptions. Well, yeah, absolutely. What do you what, just before we do? Yeah, yeah. What did you make of the the pass interference stuff that's that's changing? 
Um, similar to the uh, last year, the the big who hoorah was about uh, hits to the head and yeah. how they would be called. And uh, this year, it'll be the similar thing. Yeah. And, and pass interference and the the chance to challenge it is obviously a new. It's the first time that a judgment call has been really yeah. brought into play for replay, yeah. and that's going to make a big difference. How it's used, how it's managed, and this will be down to uh, Big Al River on and what he uh, he actually rules. Uh, he said it has to be clear and obvious interference, so very much like uh, the, the game last year in New Orleans. It should have been called, it wasn't. Yeah. That was, should have been upheld on, on video, uh, and this year it would be. Um, but I hope they don't get ticky-tacky with it because there needs to be a clear advantage gained uh, by the contact. So there is contact in most plays at the NFL level, especially, and uh, we need to make sure that uh, they're not just uh, trying to re-officiate. They're just looking for the big yeah. uh, big fishes in the pond that got missed. Yeah. Absolutely. We shall certainly see with uh, intriguing eyes how that all kind of plays out. But yeah, Roger, thank you so much for, for joining us. Hope you guys listen, uh, listening out there enjoyed that one as well. Uh, that's going to do it. Pleasure. That's going to do it for the podcast. Yeah, Roger, we'll, we'll have you on soon, no doubt. Um, but yeah, say all, all the best with uh, all your officiating duties that you have to do. I have to say, I don't, I don't envy you whatsoever. Really tough job you do. So. <laughs> thank, thank you in your part. Hopefully the, uh, the the officials will treat us nicely on Saturday when we have our associate game. But uh, <laughs> I can tell you who they are. They're a good bunch. Yeah, very good. That's, that's what I like to hear okay that's going to do it all for us on the podcast hope you enjoyed it we'll speak to you again very soon indeed in the great words of Kevin Cadle it's bye bye for now bye bye thanks for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on Facebook or Twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com.